hello, and welcome to another edition of the Regarding ID podcast. I'm Gina Jordan. Today, we continue our conversation with SecureKey's Andre Boyson about the use of blockchain for solving digital identity. SecureKey and the Digital Identity and Authentication Council of Canada received a grant. It came from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security Science and Technology Directorate through the Command Control and Interoperability Center for Advanced Data Analytics. Now they're working with IBM to deploy a digital identity network using blockchain technology in Canada and then other countries. The company says consumers will be able to quickly verify their identity for services like opening a bank account, getting a driver's license, and setting up utilities. Blockchain originally came out of uh, Bitcoin, as everybody knows, so you know, creating a digital currency. And one of the things we needed to solve for digital currency is that... Uh, we wanted to make sure after Gina gives Andre $10, she can't spend the $10 again. That was called the double spend problem. What we have in digital identity today is very much like that double spend problem. Uh, when Gina presents for service, you, they'll ask you a bunch of questions. But the problem is Andre can do the same thing if I know enough information about you. So that is very much like that double spend problem. And so there's a good opportunity to apply blockchain to solving this issue. Before we get into how blockchain works, it's good to know some of the ways in which blockchain is deployed. The most common deployment model is public data, like the use of property records, for example. The owner of a property is in the public record, along with sales information. There's a second deployment model that doesn't get talked about a lot, and that's the one we're using, where we can use blockchain as a public proof of a private secret. In this model, we don't put any data in the blockchain, we just put evidence of the data in the blockchain. As an example, maybe you and I want to have a, a bet about a, a fantasy sports team. So you want to pick your players now, and then I'm going to pick my players now, but we don't want to reveal who we've picked until after the events transpire. So you can actually put a hash of your fantasy team in the blockchain. I can do the same thing. And after the events unfold, we can demonstrate who we picked. And so that's an example of how we can do a public proof that this is what we chose without actually putting the data itself in the blockchain. The third model is a hybrid model, where you have some of the data public and, and some of the time you only actually have proofs of the data in the blockchain. What SecureKey is doing is actually most of the second model, where we have a public proof of private data. There's no personally identifiable information in the blockchain at all. The blockchain is being used for evidence and integrity, not for PII. So the evidence that we might put in the blockchain as an example is the hash that the, of the data that maybe the bank or the government uh, wrote when they created the, the data. We also might use the blockchain to show evidence that Gina agreed to share her information. And then we might also want evidence that the destination service that you wanted to go to, like government, read the data. Our deployment topology for this is a private permission blockchain, by, which is hosted by trusted parties like banks and telcos. So the other part then is that it's not on the open internet at all, so it's not available for the you know, anybody to go in and kind of start piecing things together. We've done a lot of work to make sure you can't piece things together anyway, but uh, the important thing is, is that it's not on the open internet. So you are, as a user, going to conduct lots of transactions. And so even though we've got a private permission blockchain and it's not on the open internet, we want to make sure that network participants that are connected still can't piece together your transaction history. Only the network participants, so the enrolled sources and enrolled destinations can access the evidence that's in the blockchain. But the, even the evidence that we do record in the blockchain is designed with unlinkability in mind, which means if you do transaction one and transaction two, nobody can piece together all the things you've done inside the network. So every transaction stands alone. 
Boyson says industry standards will come into play, enabling individuals to control what can be shared with a third party. When a destination service joins the network, a business agreement will be reached about the sort of information they'll need to conduct their transactions. So a bank would have business requirements for more data than, for example, when a bar joins. A bar just needs to know that Gina is 19. They don't need to know your name and address. A bank, on the other hand, is going to need more information to get their transaction done. So the first thing is make sure that the data that the user is being requested to release is proportional to the service they're trying to get. So we don't get the bar asking for everything because they don't need everything. So that's the first thing is proportionality. The second thing is consistency. So we will enroll services by category. So if we agree that a bar only needs a signed photo that says you're 19, we're not going to have one bar saying, no, 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 I want more. Everybody in that category, bars, get the same data. All the banks get the same data. All the healthcare providers get the same data. And so it's proportionality and consistency about who gets what. But that's really what this model is about. Is so when you go to the bar or to the bank or Airbnb, you can have comfort that you're not going to be asked to share more than they really need to get their transaction done. So the network stands in and protects you as a user to make sure you don't overshare your data. Boyson says SecureKey's concierge service, created five years ago, has been transformational for the public sector in Canada. While the service is more easily enabling consumers to reach the government, it was created only as an alternative to user IDs and passwords. Boyson says the gap in the market comes as many businesses can't have an authentication service until they have a good registration service. So they want to extend the concierge authentication network and add identity services. We invented, when we deployed the concierge model, what we call triple-blind authentication, which says when you use your bank account to get to government, the bank doesn't get to see what service you were trying to access, whether it's federal, provincial, or municipal. The government in its place doesn't get to see the underlying credential or bank that you accessed with. They'll say you came from a tier one bank in Canada, but what not what bank, and, and they certainly don't get your bank account details. And then the network operator, our company, we can't see who you are. We don't have your NEPAI about you. And so what that says is none of the transaction participants, not the bank, not SecureKey, not the government, gets a complete picture of the user journeys. So that's triple blind authentication. What blockchain gives us is a method to do the same thing, but for identity. So now when I want to share my name and address information from the bank as an example, the bank doesn't get to see what service I'm sending that to. And the, the receiving service, maybe in this case Amazon, doesn't get to see that it came from uh, you know, TD Bank or RBC. They get to see it came from a tier one bank in Canada. And secure key who operates the network. We can't see your data at rest or in motion. And so that's really the primary reason we chose blockchain is to allow us to extend our triple blind authentication model to identity. Boyson says blockchain features the ability to verify at a destination service that the data hasn't been altered in transit. It also offers resiliency, greatly limiting the ability of bad guys to mount denial of service attacks. Those are some of the reasons why he thinks blockchain will change the lives of everyone who uses the Internet. He wants to get the message out that there is a better way to do identity online. When the internet was first invented, uh, we, we had this uh, the open systems uh, stack that kind of had seven layers that described how we could uh, share information over the internet. What's interesting to me is when the internet was invented, we knew how to address every device connected to the internet. And what was missing at that time is the you know what we can't do is figure out who's actually typing on the keyboard. So the identity layer or the eighth layer was missing when we designed the internet. And now we're in a place where we can actually solve the anonymity of the internet by adding this identity stack so those people who want to 
be easily able to assert their identity. They can. You can still be anonymous when you want to, but when you need to assert your identity, you can do it in an easy way that's trustworthy. SecureKey is a leading identity and authentication provider headquartered in Toronto, with offices in Boston and San Francisco. The company plans to launch its new identity network, based on IBM blockchain, later this year. For more information, check out part one of our chat with Andre Boyson, SecureKey's chief identity officer. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Regarding ID podcast.